section ten of the central period of the middle age nine eighteen to twelve seventy three by beatrice a lees this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter six the war of investiture ten fifty six to eleven twenty five part one the premature death of henry the third which plunged germany into feudal anarchy opened to italy new prospects of liberty and national independence when henry the third reformed the papacy and set leo the ninth on the papal throne he was raising up a force which was destined eventually to overwhelm the empire in the weakness of germany under the child king henry the fourth ten fifty six to eleven o six the papacy stood forth as the champion of the freedom of the church the immunity of the ecclesiastical power from all secular control the theory of the sovereignty of the church the supremacy of the spiritual power over the temporal power had long floated before the eyes of the party of reform it was now to be clearly formulated and put into practice by the inspiring genius the leader and organizer of that party hildebrand one of the great men of the world's history little is certainly known of hildebrand's early life born in tuscany he was educated in the monastery of st mary on the aventine hill at rome here he came under the influence of reforming ideas assumed the monastic habit and in all probability took the monastic vows he left the monastery to act as chaplain to pope gregory the sixth and after gregory's deposition he shared his exile when gregory died hildebrand withdrew from rome but he returned in ten forty nine in the train of bruno of toul the future leo the ninth henceforth his fortunes were indissolubly united with those of the reform party in italy a true enthusiast hildebrand dreamed of making rome mistress of the world under the successors of st peter in a deeper more spiritual sense than she had ever been under the successors of augustus this meant the purification of the church from all internal corruption and emancipation from all external authority the rooting out of simony and clerical marriage and deliverance from the domination of german kings roman nobles and norman adventurers but in the eleventh century no cause however spiritual could be maintained without material support the papacy needed land money and soldiers to establish its supremacy and when it broke off its connection with the empire it was forced to seek alliances elsewhere first with the house of lorraine and tuscany in northern italy and subsequently with its old enemies the normans of apulia and calabria on the sudden death in ten fifty seven of pope victor the second the friend of henry the third the roman clergy and people elected as his successor frederick abbot of monte cassino the brother of godfrey of lorraine godfrey had been reconciled to the little king of germany through the intervention of the pope and had been reinstated in his possessions and dignities both in lorraine and in tuscany he was a zealous supporter of ecclesiastical reform and his brother the new pope stephen the ninth shared his views it seemed as if the house of lorraine were about to build up an irresistible power in italy when the death of stephen the ninth in ten fifty eight dissolved the formidable combination and revived the hopes of the enemies of reform 
no sooner was stephen's death known than the old aristocratic tusculan and crescentian factions reappeared in rome and elected a candidate of their own benedict x to the vacant papal see but now were seen the fruits of hildebrand's policy formerly the only refuge from a tusculan or crescentian pope had been an imperial pope now the reform party showed itself capable of acting independently the cardinal bishops of rome assembled at siena under hildebrand and strengthened by the support of godfrey of lorraine and the approval of the empress agnes chose gerhard the burgundian bishop of florence as pope a synod was then held at sutri in which benedict x was excommunicated and deposed awed by the troops of godfrey of lorraine and bribed by the gold of hildebrand the romans allowed the reformers to enter the city of st peter benedict x fled and gerhard of florence was enthroned as nicholas the second the election of nicholas the second meant a victory for hildebrand's party over the roman nobility with godfrey of lorraine and tuscany already his friend if they could secure the alliance of the lombard towns of the north and the norman princes of the south the reformed papacy might fairly claim to be the centre of national life in italy the short pontificate of nicholas the second saw the conclusion of both these alliances the new pope began by legalizing his somewhat irregular election in a great council held in the lateran palace at rome in ten fifty nine a decree was passed vesting the right of electing the pope in the cardinal bishops assisted by the cardinal clergy the ordinary clergy and people might only ratify the choice by their assent and though the imperial right of confirmation was admitted it was expressed in the vague phrase saving due honour and reverence to our beloved son henry at present king and it is hoped to be emperor in the future by the grace of god the pope was as a rule to be chosen from the roman church and elected at rome but foreigners were eligible for the papacy and any place of election was recognized as legal in which the cardinals clergy and catholic laity were gathered together at this same council appeared the archbishop of milan and his suffragan bishops the stiff-necked bulls of lombardy to make submission to rome in the lombard towns the reform movement had found a response in the lower classes alone the nobles and clergy stood aloof and scornfully called the reformers patarini or ragbags in milan especially the proud rival of rome the opposition to reform was so violent that it called for the intervention of a papal legate the famous monk and zealot peter damiani cardinal bishop of ostia damiani warmly upheld the cause of the paterini and it was through his efforts that the lombard prelates were induced to yield and to renounce simony and the clerical marriage which milan had always claimed as a peculiar privilege even more important than the victory of the reform party in lombardy was the alliance between the papacy and the norman lords of southern italy robert guiscard a younger son of tancred of hauteville and his brother-in-law richard of aversa robert guiscard the wiseacre or crafty one was an ideal hero of mediaeval romance tall strong and graceful with sparkling eyes and fair flowing hair and beard he was skilled in all manly exercises and knightly accomplishments 
after many adventures and hardships he succeeded his half-brother humphrey as count of apulia and calabria while richard of aversa won capua from the lombards these were the men whom hildebrand in defiance of the policy of leo the ninth and stephen the ninth enlisted in the papal cause by their help benedict x was subdued and degraded and nicholas ii was not slow to recognize their services in a council held at melfi in ten fifty nine robert guiscard took an oath of fealty to the pope as duke by the grace of god and of st peter of apulia and calabria and in the future of sicily and swore to pay a yearly tribute for the lands held by him of st peter to defend the rights and possessions of the holy see and to protect the pope and promote his canonical election at the same time richard was confirmed in the principality of capua and the normans were formally released from the ban of the church the value of the new alliance was seen when in 1061 on the death of nicholas ii hildebrand now archdeacon of rome found himself confronted by the threefold opposition of the roman nobles the lombard anti-reform faction and the german magnates it was only the presence of norman troops in rome that enabled hildebrand to place his own candidate anselm bishop of lucca on the papal throne anselm who was consecrated as alexander the second was elected by the cardinal bishops without reference to henry the fourth this offended the germans while the lombards were alienated by the papal support of the patarini the romans had already sent the insignia of the patriciate to henry the fourth and had begged him to exercise his rights now at a council at Baal, at which the young king was present a rival pope was chosen catullus bishop of parma who was known as honorius the second after three years of schism and civil war the hildebrandine party finally triumphed and alexander the second was recognized as the lawful pope at the council of mantua this result was mainly due to a change of policy in germany where anno archbishop of cologne an adherent of alexander the second had usurped the regency of the kingdom catullus died in ten seventy two and was followed to the grave by alexander the second in ten seventy three the moment had come for hildebrand so long the power behind the papal throne to mount that throne himself as pope gregory the seventh ten seventy three to ten eighty five on april twenty second ten seventy three while the funeral rites of alexander the second were being celebrated in the lateran church of st saviour the assembled multitude raised the cry let hildebrand be our bishop hildebrand himself tried to check the excitement but the cardinal hugh the white prevented him brothers he said addressing the assembly you know that from the days of pope leo hildebrand has exalted the roman church and has given freedom to this city wherefore since we can find no better man nor one who is his equal for the roman pontificate we elect him who has been ordained in our church and whom we have known and proved a great shout went up st peter has elected pope gregory the people seized the unwilling archdeacon and dragged him to the church of st peter ad vincula where they enthroned him they rushed upon me like madmen wrote hildebrand and with violent hands forced me into the seat of apostolic government 
irregular and hurried as was the manner of his election it was thoroughly popular and hildebrand accepted it as a call from heaven he took the name of gregory the seventh which the people had given him at his election a name associated with the founder of the papal power gregory the great and at once assumed the full responsibilities of his position only god and the prayers of good men he wrote kept him from sinking beneath the weight of care which pressed upon him so lofty were his aims so bold were his schemes that his followers likened him to the eagle that soars above the earth and dares to gaze upon the sun all eyes now turned to rome as the political centre of italy and the spiritual centre of western christendom in lombardy the feud between the paterini and the anti-reform party had revived during the papal schism a disputed election to the archiepiscopal see of milan was the signal for an outbreak of civil war in which the ragbags organized under a knightly leader called erlimbald were warmly supported by the pope in tuscany the death of godfrey of lorraine in ten sixty nine had thrown the chief power into the hands of his stepdaughter matilda the great countess the beautiful and high-spirited heiress of the marquis boniface the connection between Lorraine and Italy was not broken, for Matilda had married Godfrey's successor, his son by his first marriage, Godfrey the Hunchbacked. But the hold of the papacy on Tuscany was strengthened since both Matilda and her mother Beatrice were religious enthusiasts and the devoted partisans of Gregory the Seventh. In southern Italy, the alliance with the papacy had given a religious sanction to the extension of the Norman dominion over schismatic Greeks and infidel saracens in ten seventy one robert guiscard took bari the last apulian stronghold of the eastern empire and as early as ten sixty one he and his younger brother roger began the systematic conquest of sicily i desire said robert to free the christians who are sighing under the saracen yoke i long to end their slavery and to avenge the offence to god in 1066, another Norman adventurer, William the Conqueror, crossed the English Channel with the papal approval and blessing to win a kingdom and to replace the schismatic Archbishop Stigant by the Orthodox reformer Lanfranc. Both William in England and Roger in Sicily fought under banners consecrated by the Pope. When the wild Viking spirit had been thus subdued and the swords of the freebooters had been dedicated to the service of the Church, the era of the crusades and of militant christianity was at hand the first care indeed of gregory the seventh was to secure his temporal and military power in italy by reclaiming the alienated lands of the patrimony of st peter by forming a papal guard from his vassals and by receiving the fealty of the lombard prince of benevento and of the norman richard of capua while italy was thus struggling towards political unity under the strong rule of the reformed papacy germany was a scene of lawlessness and disorder the death of pope victor the second left the young empress agnes of poitou sole regent of the german kingdom where already the nobles were beginning to revolt against the government of a woman and a child there was no fear of the law wrote the biographer of henry the fourth for law had little authority under a boy king the great dukes were either hostile to the royal house or too weak to lend effectual support to the throne 
and the prelates were divided amongst themselves and at feud with the lay nobles the general discontent came to a head in 1062 when anno the powerful archbishop of cologne conspired with count ecbert of brunswick and with otto of nordheim the new duke of bavaria to seize the person of the twelve-year-old king a picturesque story tells how while henry the fourth was at his palace of st swibert or kaiserwet on an island in the rhine he was enticed on board a boat belonging to archbishop anno and carried off to cologne in his terror at finding himself kidnapped the young king plunged into the river but he was rescued and flattered and soothed into submission the empress now retired from public life and the conduct of affairs fell into the hands of the german prelates led by the archbishop of cologne till the middle of ten sixty three when the kingdom was governed by two ecclesiastical regents anno of cologne to whom was entrusted the education of the king and adalbert archbishop of bremen no greater contrast can be imagined than that between these two great churchmen anno the architect of his own fortunes a man of stately presence shrewd stern and dignified adalbert the nobly born courtier witty and accomplished but vain passionate and extravagant yet both were alike in their boundless ambition and in devotion to the interests of their diocese it has been said that anno wished to make cologne the rome of germany while adalbert aimed at making bremen the rome of the scandinavian north but adalbert's pride and avarice wrecked his schemes and brought about his ruin in 1066 he fell a victim to a conspiracy of the chief nobles and prelates and was banished from court once more henry the fourth found himself almost a captive in the hands of the great feudatories and once more he was forced to submit to the dictation of anno of cologne and otto of nordheim time worked his deliverance anno's influence weakened as he fell into disfavour with pope alexander the second on account of simoniacal practices and in 1070 otto of nordheim accused of plotting against the king rebelled and was deprived of his duchy with his disgrace in 1071 the death of adalbert of bremen in 1072 and the final retirement of anno of cologne from court henry the fourth really began his personal reign he was now in the full strength of early manhood tall and handsome dignified in manner quick of wit weighty in speech brave active and warlike but he had never learnt to curb his passions or discipline his will and the bitter experiences of his boyhood had made him suspicious arrogant and harsh of judgment married against his will in 1066 to bertha daughter of the marquis of turin he took a violent and unreasonable dislike to his young wife and would have divorced her had not peter damiani as papal legate intervened and brought him to a better mind he alienated the nobles by his severity and by giving his confidence to his personal friends and to low-born counsellors to the general uneasiness and distrust the saxons added special grievances their duchy was left vacant while the son of their late duke languished in captivity the king resided constantly in Saxony and took tribute. From the Saxon and Thuringian hilltops frowned the castles built by Henry to overawe the land, whence Schwabian garrisons sallied forth to plunder and oppress the people. 
free men were compelled to forced labor even wood and water it was said were taxed and the free saxons were being degraded to the position of slaves when the king who was preparing for an expedition against poland failed to listen to their complaints the saxons held a mass meeting of nobles and peasants took up arms under otto of nordheim besieged henry in the Harzburg, and forced him to escape by night to the abbey of hersfeld all through the autumn and winter of 1073 negotiations and fighting went on side by side while the saxons were destroying the castles which were to them the visible signs of royal tyranny grave accusations of private vice were brought against the king he was said to have plotted the murder of the dukes of schwabia and corinthia and his deposition was seriously discussed the great nobles were suspected of intrigues with the rebels and the rebels themselves actually offered the crown to rudolph duke of schwabia henry's brother-in-law but the loyal burghers of Worms opened their gates to the king and promised to stand by him to the death and early in 1074 he won over the saxon magnates to conclude the peace of Gerstungen. the king promised to demolish the remaining castles to guarantee the saxon liberties and to restore otto of nordheim to the duchy of bavaria unfortunately in dismantling the Harzburg, the saxon peasants went beyond their instructions pulled down the royal palace and rifled the tombs of henry's brother and of his baby son this act of violence alienated sympathy from the saxon cause war was renewed and on june ninth ten seventy five the saxon army was completely defeated with appalling slaughter by the royal troops at hohenburg on the river unstrut in thuringia in the following october the rebels surrendered unconditionally ten seventy six the castles were rebuilt the insurgent leaders were imprisoned and henry remained master of the situation yet his triumph was apparent rather than real fresh clouds were already gathering on the horizon and the thirty-one years of life which remained to the ill-fated king were to be one long tragedy a ten years duel with gregory the seventh a fierce struggle with the countess matilda and with his own rebellious son conrad and a closing scene of defeat and humiliation at the hands of his youngest and last surviving son henry the saxon revolt had diverted the attention of henry the fourth from italian affairs he had acquiesced in the election of gregory the seventh and had written humbly and submissively to the new pope gregory too full of ambitious schemes and confronted with many practical difficulties had but little leisure to spare for germany two great ideas now possessed his mind the purification of the church by the suppression of simony and clerical marriage and the extension of the christian faith by the conquest of the infidel turks who were threatening the very existence of the eastern empire but the pope's appeals to western christendom to take up arms in defence of the east fell on deaf ears his decrees against simony and clerical marriage with the famous edict of ten seventy five forbidding all lay investiture were disregarded his allies failed him erlembald leader of the paterini was killed by his opponents and robert guiscard incurred excommunication by invading capua and the papal territory of benevento gregory's enemies in rome even attempted to assassinate him 
while Henry the Fourth openly invested prelates by ring and staff and refused to abandon his simoniacal counsellors who had been excommunicated by the Pope. Gregory felt that the time for decisive action had come. He wrote a warning letter to the German king accompanied by a message urging him on pain of excommunication to amend his ways and dismiss his excommunicated advisers. Furious at this interference, Henry summoned a council at Worms in January 1076, in which, after the Cardinal Hugh the White, now bitterly hostile to Gregory VII, had made an infamous attack on his character and policy, sentence of deposition was pronounced upon the Pope as unworthy of his high office. The German bishops renounced their obedience to Gregory and wrote to Brother Hildebrand to explain their reasons, his irregular election, his despotic government, and his scandalous life. Even more insulting was the letter in which Henry, king not by usurpation but by the holy ordinance of God, bade Hildebrand, no pope but a false monk, relinquish the seat of the apostles to another who would not cover violence with a cloak of religion, but would teach the wholesome doctrine of St. Peter. I, Henry, ran the conclusion of this haughty challenge, king by the grace of God with all our bishops say to thee, come down, come down. The decisions of the Council of Worms were approved by the Lombard bishops and were then sent to Rome. In February 1076, at a great synod in the Vatican, Roland, a clerk of Parma, delivered the letters and cried aloud to the Pope in the name of the King and bishops of Germany to come down from the chair of St. Peter, which he had won by robbery, not by canonical right. Then, turning to the cardinals, he told them that Henry IV would come to Rome at Whitsuntide to give them a new pope, for this man is no pope but a ravening wolf. At these daring words Roland would have been cut to pieces had not Gregory himself stood between him and the indignant Romans. The pope now excommunicated the German and Lombard bishops, formally excommunicated and deposed Henry, and absolved his subjects from their allegiance to him. After claiming as the representative of St. Peter the power of binding and loosing in heaven and on earth, Gregory pronounced the terrible sentence, In the name of Almighty God I prohibit Henry the King, son of Henry the Emperor, who has risen with unheard-of arrogance against the Church, from ruling in Germany and Italy. I release all Christians from the obligation of the oaths which they have taken, or may hereafter take to him, I forbid all men to serve him as king, and I bind him with the bonds of anathema. End of section 10